This is a Baby Brunch podcast. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you. Welcome to another Baby Brunch podcast. Now, today we're talking will and testaments and trusts. Alex Benides is the CEO and co-founder of Capital Legacy. And I'm told that Capital Legacy is the leading provider of wills and estate administration in the country. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Hello, Alana. Nice to be chatting again. I'm going to get straight into it. Wills make us nervous. I remember having to set up my own when I was still single and, you know, starting to earn and you need to uh, leave your legacy or the remains or the things that you own to someone and also having set up a joint one with my husband. But before we even get to those questions, just in basic terms, what is a will and testament? So simply put, a will and testament, so it doesn't need to be scary, Alana. A will and testament doesn't need to be 45 pages or this animated video. If, the best wills I always say to my clients are the simplest wills, something that can fit on one or two pages where you've said, this needs to go to my spouse or this needs to go to my kids or this needs to go to my spouse and then my kids. And then most importantly, you, you create a trust if you've got kids. That's it. And I think people you know, overcook it and, 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 and that makes them shy away from actually doing it. I, so who, who would one see? I mean, so you in the business of this, Capital Legacy does this for a living. You provide wills and estate planning and, and all of that. But it, do you go to your bank? What And what is required to set up one? So now you've decided I need a will and testament. Who do you see and what do you need? Well, let's, let's go through the choices. So your, your first choice is you can go onto Google and you can, uh, you know, search for download a will. Um, the, the problem with that potentially is maybe you don't know the right answer to the computer screen that's asking you a question and you, you could end up with a will that's not suited to your needs. Um, another alternative is you can go to your bank, as you pointed out. Um, they, they, they really do have good administration capabilities, but, you know, I don't want to talk out of turn on it, but, you know, at a bank, you're going to kind of be a number, you know, so you're going to lose that personal touch. Um, and they will insist that they're the executor. You can go to an attorney. Um, attorneys will, will insist that they're the executive, but you will get that, that personal touch, but it's going to be expensive potentially um, because we know attorneys don't work for free, uh, right? Mm. Alternatively, you've got fiduciary providers like our, ourselves who are focused on, on getting the, the wills done. And, and people like ourselves, we do a, a personal consultation and then there's no fee uh, for the will. So, so really, it's, it's, it's your choice what would, what would suit you. Mm. What age do you have to be to set up one? So the technical answer is is 16, but but if I could just jump in here because there's a bit of a, a, a misconception, you know, often people say no, 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 Alex, we we don't. I'm, I'm 28 years old. You said it now when you started to earn money. I don't have anything to my name, so I don't need mm. to do a will. But the problem is you forget that maybe your your company you're working for they've got life cover on you, or you've got this retirement fund, um, or or you you put it off and then you you on Sunday you finally do that big purchase of the house and you haven't got your will in place. So really take advantage. The minute I, I say, look, you can't be 16, but the minute you start start working, get your will done, you can always update it. How do you give your clients reassurance? I mean, I mentioned the word scary when we started. Some of us have got fear 
around. I mean, I remember I had a fear around will and testaments because of forged signatures. You know, I was I was imagining that there would be a forged signature somewhere, or or even the idea of setting one up. What what kind of reassurance do you give people to say will and testaments and and planning your administration is not scary? Okay, so you're not allowed to laugh. Okay, so you're not allowed to laugh. But this is how honestly I would I start most of most of my will interviews. I ask the person who's with me, I say, okay, I want you to close your eyes for one second and I want you to tell me about the one thing, the one thingy that worries you if I say to you, we need to do your will right now. What is the thing that you want to happen or what is the thing that, and the most weird and wonderful things will come out. So for example, in your case, the, the forged signatures. Um, yeah. Other people will be, I'm worried that my, I'm worried I don't have enough. And then I can talk and then my consultants can talk to that. So, you know, Alana, mm-hmm. don't worry about the signature. If you want, we can do a commission of O stamp. And, and it'll be locked away in a vault. And then hopefully you would get a little bit of peace of mind. But you have one single answer for, for, for you right now to say what would be how you would reassure people. It's about what is your one thing. And then we need to talk to that because there are, the wills industry has been built around some really solid foundations that, can, that really protect the people who are doing their wills and protect their, their, their wishes. It's up to the person doing the will to take advantage of those. So, for example, you might say to me, I'm worried that my, my kid's money will go to, to their dad. And I don't want the money to go to the dad. Okay, then Alana, that's not a problem because we're going to create a trust. And then that trust, the money is safe. And, we'll, and we could be the trustees and maybe your sister could be the trustee. And then you might feel better. Uh, I see what you mean. Okay, so that's I want to get to that in a while. So we'll talk trust as well. Sure. This is not a question that I've prepared you for, but <laughs> why, do we, why do we set a will and testament in place? What's the worst thing that can happen if you don't have one? The worst thing, the worst thing. For me, the the... The worst thing, and, and it's because it's so close to home, is that without a will, you are unable to create that trust for, for your kids. And without that trust for your kids, it's, it's dear Makar. Uh, the life policies will pay out to, to biological parents who maybe you don't want them to get the money. Any money that is due to them gets locked up in the government's guardian fund. If they don't want to live in the house that maybe you've passed away in because they want to get something else, because the memories are bad, you can't sell it. So, so I reckon, and being through that several hundred times, where we, because you know, we get we get a stage where people haven't done a will as well, Alana. So we see this often, and that's the most heartbreaking thing where we've got to sit with the with the the family, with the children, and say, well, there was no will. These are our only choices. Wow. So, so would you recommend that couples? So, imagine we all are married in the perfect world, and would you recommend that couples send uh, set up a will and testament together, or do you set it up separately? So, I, I recommend that you do two separate wills, but you do it together. Um, the reason people do a joint will, you know, when you've got one will on top of another will as one will, is simply to save a drafting fee. But if there's no drafting fee, and there's many solutions out there where you don't have a drafting fee with still the same quality, then have them as two separate wills, but do it together. Um, just one word of caution, and I see this every time when we're sitting with, with couples, the thing that holds up a will being signed is the arguing between couples of who's going to be the guardian if both parents pass away. It's so interesting, we see it hold up. And actually a guardian wish in a will is merely your, your wish or a, a guideline. So if it is a, maybe a prickly issue between two partners, I suggest that you sign the will and then go back to the will once you once you agree to the wish because it is only a wish. Wow. So just to come back to the joint and separately, we, we're talking about guardians now as well. If you say uh, do them separately but do them together, 
Do you mm-hmm. mean you literally come and see the advisor together, but you have two separate contracts? Exactly that. Exactly that. So I'd be sitting across the table from, from you and your husband in a perfect mm-hmm. world, and we'd be talking about your needs, be talking about your husband's needs. Often, that's not possible because maybe someone's got something they don't want to be discussing at the dining room table. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want to scare you know, the people who are listening, but often when one of my consultants have finished that, that very meeting, they would get the phone call from one of the partners and say, listen, I don't want to say anything in the meeting, but I've got this other child and we know we need to include the other child. And mm-hmm. it's good that we include them, but there is obviously that, that, that potential issue. Um, that could arise. Do you have instances where a partner does not want the other one to know what is in their will and testament? Because if you just you just talked about the other child, I mean, I know of two stories in our close friends' lives where yeah. you know they only realized that they had a child later in life. And and but how how is that managed? If 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 I don't want my partner to know how much I am worth. And you want to set up this will and testament as inheritance to your children or the other child. Is so separate wills are still the solution. Separate will is still the solution. You would just uh, sit with the consultant um, separately, uh, you know, in a, in a in a in a confidential manner, and that's it. You know what happens a lot as well, Alana, is when you know things have gone a bit awry in the in the marriage or the or the mm-hmm. uh, living arrangements and. You know, the couples are at that point where they're about to split and we and then people are frantically calling to change their will because now they had left everything to their spouse. They can see that, you know, this thing's not going to last. This relationship's not going to last. Now, we're the first people they call because now they want to change their will to have everything say go to their, their children if they should pass away in the first instance. And then often then, then you know, we, send, we do the, the consultation separately because it's a separate will. We can, we can do that. And often we get this, you know, please don't make sure, please make sure my husband or my, my wife don't see this. And you've got to respect that. I mean, you know, couples are going through tough times. They want to make sure of their legacy. How important is it for same-sex couples to have a will and testament in place? Keeping in mind that some of the moms and dads and dads and dads and moms and moms that are listening, some of them have got dependents, so children, but they're not married. Yeah, so it's 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 a... Big problem um, in our in our country. So the situation, uh, if I could just spend a moment on, is that what we see when people pass away of, of same-sex arrangements and, and, and marriages, is that society has discriminated. So there's there's this, you know, people haven't actually officially got married, even though they they can, but they, for all intents and purposes, they've been living together as if you know they they were married. And the problem is, if you don't do a will in that situation. The law does not recognize automatically that you were in union or ma- marriage union, but you would want your partner to get the house you, you, you know, you have been paying off together. You'd want your partner to get the car that you, you bought together. But if you haven't actually got married and you don't do a will, there's nothing to say that that happens. And then even when you, you are married, doing the will makes sure that what you want to go to your partner, I mean, you, you built a life together, um, mm. will actually will actually happen. And, but the interesting thing is it, when you do a will, so say you, you're not officially married in, in, a, in a same-sex arrangement, okay, and you haven't done a will, so you've got nothing to leave, you haven't officially left anything to your partner, and you do a life policy that pays your, your partner. Our, our inheritance tax laws, a state duty, which is more commonly known, recognizes 
that you are common law spouses. So, so not your house that you own together, but your life policy that only pays out when you pass away. But if you do the will, then you can make sure that everything can go to that partner or a portion can go to that partner. So it's absolutely important that um, people in a same-sex relationship um, don't just rely on the fact that they they in a common law spouses because it's not technically recognized and they get confused because there is a little piece in the legislation regarding tax law where it's recognized. But if you bought that house and car together and one of, it's in one of your names, it's not going to go to the other person automatically. You need a will. Something you said just reminded me, do, do you get taxed on money that you inherit or do you get, do, do you get um, taxed on uh, assets that you inherit? You get taxed everywhere you go, Alana, even oh, when oh, you've passed oh, away. Oh, <laughs> what's, the, what's the saying? There's, there's three things that are certain in life. Um, death, taxes and WhatsApp groups. So, yes, <laughs> um, yes. so it, it's a technically a wealth tax. So the limit is set at so anything above three and a half million that's going to anyone other than your spouse. That's very important. Anyone other than your spouse will attract a state duty. So, and that's at 20% of the amount above three and a half million. So very simple example. If you're leaving four million to your kids, the first three and a half million is tax free. The next 500,000 will have 20% tax or 100,000 rand tax that's payable. But when you're consulting with us doing the will, we'll make sure of those things. You know, we'll look at them and see how we can sort them out. What happens if you were really wealthy and you don't have any dependents and you don't have a will and testament in place? That's a rich old lady with her 72 cat story. Um, it's real. <laughs> it's real. It, it happens. Um, look, I, the, 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 the truth of the matter is, I mean, we've done 2,700 other states. Not once have we not been able to get hold of a beneficiary. They find us first uh, when someone's passed away. But, but your, to your question, the, the technical answer is those assets will, will lie and they will lie for 30 years. So the estate will lay open for 30 years. After 30 years, the assets have to then be forfeited to the state. And we would use tracing um, agents to try trace the, I mean, you must have come from somewhere, right? So we'll, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll trace dependents to, to try. But as a worst case, 30 years and then and then that massive amount of wealth will get transferred to the state, the government. And then they'll send you that SMS that says, email this number now, SMS this number now, or call us with your banking details. You have inherited, no? No, 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 please don't answer those. No, no, they're a sham. Please don't No, we, 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 no, we, will, we will call you. <laughs> please don't answer those. <laughs> so there's no... Your friend, the uncle in the United Kingdom. Oh, no, those are a sham. <laughs> I, I got one of those the other day, and I thought to myself, my passport is so African that I can go nowhere, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but I have some long-lost uncle somewhere in the United Kingdom that apparently wants to leave me. So how would you notify, notify um, a family member or, uh, God forbid, a, a relative of the deceased? So we, we, I mean, only now with the inception of uh, Rika, we're able to be able to get uh, – you know, solid cell phone numbers. But up in my experience, you know, when we've been tracing down pension and estate claims, we actually need to go try find them at their last address. You physically need okay. to drive out. So you'll get, you know, the last time we had to do it, we had to knock on a door. Uh, uh. It's like a plot for a movie, literally. Like you have to drive there and find someone. <laughs> literally. I'm enjoying this conversation so much. What? Sure, I've got 100,000 questions. Is it important to have um, 
funeral preferences in your will? Like, do you do you tell people how you want to be buried? Is that a place to is, do you put that in a will? No, it's it's not. We have to do this practically, right? So, if a person passes away, I mean, even if you think about um, some religious beliefs like uh, the you know the Islamic mm. faith. You know, there's a very short turnaround time between when a person passes away, right. needing to arrange the funeral, and then hauling out that will. But I, so, so there's absolutely no basis to put your last wishes. I mean, we've had some crazy ones, Alana. We've had, I want um, a big party to be thrown on a houseboat, and mm. I want this and that. And it's too late. The funeral's <laughs> happened by the time we get the will out. But I think when the person was doing it, you know, you spoke right in the beginning about how do we reassure people? And if one of the things the person is, is how the person wants to be remembered, and that's important to them, then I suppose it feels good to put it in the will. But if you really, 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 really want those wishes um, seen to, then you need to go to your family and say, look, this is actually what I want to happen. You know, like right. my wife and myself, we've discussed, I mean, we disagree with each other on this point. We've discussed the differences between uh, being buried and being cremated. And my mm. views are different to her views. And I know exactly where she stands and she knows exactly where, where I stand. And some people may, may not even care, you know. And really, what I, what I meant just to labor on the point is what I always just sort of give to people. I said, remember, you're not here anymore. It's, it's not about how you want to be remembered. It's how the other people want to remember you. And maybe you just want to think about that a bit. Sure. How is a will and testament affected when you are married in community of property, antenuptial, no accrual? Uh, I remember it was the hardest conversation that I had with my husband leading up to our marriage because, you know, everything is really cool and you're very excited for the wedding. And then you need to have this conversation with an attorney and like hope that none of us have to either separate or pass on or you know, divide your assets. But how, how does the will and testament affect that? Also traditional marriage uh, or even antenuptial with accrual? Yeah, yeah. So the concept is that if, if, if I'm married, my marital contract, the thing that you signed before your wedding, supersedes mm. your will. So if you're married in community of property, then it's 50-50 as, we, as you would have understood it when you signed your marital agreement. So, that, mm. so if your will says, I leave everything to someone else, but you're still married in community of property, that 50% share of everything first goes to the spouse. The same is true if you've done an antenuptial agreement with an accrual, which was, which was a, quite a popular marital contract nowadays. So mm. if, if you've passed away and you've left up your stuff to everyone else, maybe it's your kids and not your spouse, but you've, since your marriage, accumulated more, so, so you so you uh, have, have to pay an accrual claim, mm. then that accrual claim needs to be settled like a, like a debt in the estate, like a bond. That accrual claim has to be settled first before the kids can inherit, which is what you put in your will. And, it needs, and this is the really interesting thing, and people must be careful of this. That accrual claim is like a bond or a tax on the estate or, or an executive fee. It's a cash settlement. There actually needs to be cash. Yeah. It's not like um, a community property where we just put the, the title, the portion of the title deed of the house in your name. It actually needs to be a cash amount. So when you draft in the will, the question then is to say, how are you married? And it's fine if you say everything's going to go to my spouse because then everything's just going to the spouse. Okay. It gets a, it gets a little bit murky when, or not, it gets a little bit um, technical when you want something different. You want stuff to go to someone else that's not your spouse. And that's when we need to consider your, your marital contract. But quite often, um, 
Alana, people do their will at the same time they do their marital contract. And I, and I, and I urge them to do it at the same time. I mean, you're basically getting brought to the, the door of divorce before you get married. You may as well go to the door of death and get it done as well at the same time. Just get it done. It's true, right? Oh, my word. <laughs> I must tell you, it was the most difficult meeting that I've ever had. Most difficult to... Yeah. It is. I remember mine. Yeah. Oh, and the lead up to it and the conversations after. But it's also a good yeah. thing. I think it's the same as doing a will, Alana. You know, it makes you think through the marriage. It makes you think about the finances. Um, it gets the, the big important stuff on the table. Um, I suppose it is the same as doing a will. You know, you put the big important stuff on the table and it forces you to think about it. Um, it's the responsible thing to do. Um and then you, you know, you take care of it in, in a way that yeah, you, you can move on, you, right? You can yeah. live life. And but it is scary. It is scary. I, earlier you mentioned trusts, and it's it's another thing that I I once got scammed into. Um, it was one of these property seminars, and you know I attended, and I ended up with three trusts that I never ended oh, up using. I know the one. I know the one. Yeah, and. <laughs> And I was very upset because it cost me a lot of money at the time and I had no property to put in the trust at the time. I didn't I didn't even obtain uh, my first property even before obtaining these trusts. But do you do you get different trusts and why why is it so misinterpreted? Why are we not sure when it comes to trusts? What what makes us so well, doubtful? <laughs> well let's go, let's go back to your example. It's the very reason why trusts are misunderstood and misused in this country. So, so and I'm going to talk out of turn here, but people like certain lawyers and banks have done a, a flippant awesome job at making it confusing so that they look academically intelligent. And it need not be the case, okay? So what I always say to, to clients, a trust is not going to make you wealthy, you're going to make you wealthy. A trust is to protect the wealth that you have created. But now this, is where I trust simplified for people. You need to decide what is the purpose you're creating a trust for. Now there's a big, you know, you can attend the seminar and be blown away with this huge jargon <laughs> and you'll hear words like inter vivos and testamentary and it, it's, it's, it's absolutely not necessary. This is how, this is the easiest way to understand it. I call it purpose driven trust, right? Do you need a trust to look after the money you want to leave to your children? Yes, okay, that's what we call a children's trust. Or do you need a trust that needs to leave money or have money for a child who's maybe got special needs or to a relative or a child who maybe has a drinking problem or a gambling problem or a drug problem? Okay, that's called a provider trust. Or do okay. you need a trust now while you're alive because you're doing really well, okay, and you want to start uh, growing your assets in the trust so that they so that the assets aren't in your name, the assets are in, in the trust name. Okay, that's a living trust because you're alive. So that's a living trust. Or do you need a trust that you want to leave stuff to when you pass away, but you want to have it in your hands now so you can, you know, you can make sure of the terms and the conditions. So for example, I want um, 100,000 Rand to go to my child when they turn 24 years old. Okay, which is a little bit confusing to the children. That's called a future use trust. And then the one that, that, that we should make more use of, okay, is what we call a widow's trust. That's where you want to leave something to your spouse and you want them to have an income only from a trust. 
Um, I had a, a client say, okay, that's perfect because my partner thinks a budget is a target. So yes, that's exactly it. It's a, it's mm. a trust for your, your widow. So you can have a children's, a provider, a living, a future use, or a widow's. Now, I know it's a lot to remember, but if you just take it down to the purpose and you remember it's just to protect your wealth, you're, you, you're the one that needs to grow your wealth, the trust is there to protect your wealth, then you'll find the right trust. Mm. Sure. Alex, in closing, according to your notes, and I've, I've checked out the site, and 75% of South Africans pass away without a valid will and testament. What's the one thing you want to let South Africa and the rest of the world who's listening to this podcast, what do you want to let them know? Also, perhaps the person that felt that they were outdone by this piece of paper, the will and testament, because they had an expectation. And then when the will and testament was presented to them, you know, the decision was otherwise. So in terms of people not doing the will, um, I suppose it's a broad statement to say, don't be don't be scared. Um, so I'd rather say to, to you and, and those who, who are listening to this podcast is that it's the responsible thing to do. Mm. If you put a seatbelt on when you drive, if you take precautions, like now recently washing your hands, then you're being responsible. The same is true by doing a will. And doing a will is not difficult. It's really, really easy. There's no reason to procrastinate. To your second point, Alana, if this is at all possible, I, I encourage people not to live their, their life through their death. What do I mean by this? Is that you, you don't hide behind, don't conceal how you want things to be done or don't leave things until you die to try and make your wishes and your beliefs come true. So for example, making people rich on your death by, by buying a life insurance. Or in your example, not telling someone they're not going to get something and, and then they found out when you're not here because maybe you were too, too scared to, to tell them. That means you've missed something in your life. You've, you haven't lived life to its fullest. If it was uncomfortable or, or if it was something that you could have striven, uh, you know, striven to achieve. We see it all the time where people like have given up on their life and so they try to live it through their will or their life policy. And I try to say to them, you know, but why can't you have a go at that now? Why can't you you know, open that business or have that tough conversation with that person you're having problems with. Your life will be richer for it. You're leaving it to me to do it. You're outsourcing it to me to do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. But maybe you've lost something in your life as a result. And, and that's also where wealth is sometimes measured, not just in the money. Wow. Well, I think you should become a counselor. Never mind. <laughs> Capital Legacy, the leading provider of wills and estate administration in the country. Alex Simonides, co-founder and CEO Wow, what a mission. They've got a mission to help us so that the administration is done on our behalf. This was insightful and really incredible. Thanks for your time. Absolute pleasure, Alana. This podcast is proudly brought to you by FedHealth. FedHealth's FlexiFed 2 and 3 options offer superb maternity and childhood benefits, including its free FedHealth baby program to see members through their pregnancy and parenting journeys. Choose FedHealth for trusted medical aid cover that gives you choice, flexibility and control. And that will be with you through every stage of your family's unique journey. FedHealth. We let you be you.